0: Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today's guest is Candace Cabrera tavino Candace is the founder of Yoga by Candace, a best selling author of the book Namaste, and the founder of Mantra Box. As a 500 hour yoga certified instructor and NASM certified personal trainer and nutritionist, she leads yoga workshops, fitness and yoga retreats and teacher trainings worldwide and has never met a challenge that she didn't love. Her yoga by Candace app and YouTube channel has hundreds of free yoga videos and she coaches hundreds of clients online and in person in Connecticut. She is passionate about living her best life, considers herself a forever student of yoga, fitness, and life, and is always on the path to be her most vibrant self. In this episode, Candice shares the eight things she wishes she had known about fitness in her 20s, including her top strength and mobility recommendations. This is probably one of my favorite fitness-focused episodes. Candace gives you the answers you've been looking for on how to not only feel good from your movement, but how to make it the most effective and meet your goals faster, all while protecting your body and mobility, which can often get lost even in the most active or fit person. And make sure to stick around for Candace's quick and easy morning mobility routine that you can do from the comfort of your bed. That's my kind of movement. Candace, welcome to the show. I'm so excited about this conversation. I mean, for me, anything strength training and mobility related um, is big in my book. And if I can spread the word or get the word out there more about how important both of those things are, I'm all about it. So thanks for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me. I feel like since COVID happened and people are working at home more, I feel like everybody can use a little bit more mobility, back pain stuff. So I'm just really happy to be here and thank you for having me.
0: 100%. So we'd love to start off every episode, Candace, with you just telling our listeners a little bit more about your journey to health and wellness and just how you got to where you are.
1: Okay. It's a really long story, but I'm going to try to <laughs> <of it. laughs> So in 2010, I came down with a mystery illness, and we couldn't really figure out what it was. I went to probably nine different doctors in nine different months. And at the end of it, by that point, it had started to affect my joints, my brain. I could see you were speaking. I could hear that you were speaking, but it took me a second to compute it before formulating a response. And finally, after a million different tests, um, we came to find out that I had Lyme disease. And, um, it had really progressed and I was so, so depressed because my whole life starting at age, maybe 16, my very first job was at a gym. So my whole life, my joy was movement, whether it was yoga or dance or working out. And at that point in the diagnosis, I couldn't even get out of bed. I mean, I was bedridden at a, at a certain point. Um, and it was, it was just really devastating to my physical health into my mental health. And I just vowed to myself that one day, if I ever got better, I would live intentionally and I would live on purpose. And I said to myself, I have been playing small for so many years. I was like 20 maybe 26 by that point. And I said to myself for 26 years, I feel like I've wasted my entire life until this point. Um, because I was really hard on myself in a number of different ways and just super judgmental and any, anything I didn't like about a person. It was essentially like my own thing that I didn't like. And I said to myself, I'm going to stop doing that because that's a waste of time. And I'm going to take that yoga teacher training that I've always wanted to take when I get better. And I just decided that that would happen. And so, about two years later, I did take that yoga teacher training course in Thailand. And the day I graduated, I started a blog called Yoga by Candace. And I just I started my YouTube channel and I just started um, creating. I've always been a creator. I was a school teacher for a long time, but then some life things happened. I got out of that. And so I channeled all of my education background into the content I was creating. So I came at it from a point of how can I help you um, to feel really good in your body? And then that sort of transformed into... Um, studies in um, personal training, meditation, um, mobility, nutrition. And fast forward, now we're in twenty, almost 2023. And I have my own studio that I do personal training at. And then I train at people's homes as well. And then my online world has transformed and I do a lot of online training. Um, I also train yoga teachers as well now. And yeah, that's, Kind of the very long story condensed to a tiny little bit.
0: <laughs> no, but Kence, that's a great story. I mean, it always amazes me even to hear, to hear stories about Lyme's disease too. Like so many people have such different um experiences, but to also just see you now and know that you were like bedridden and that sick, did you find um, were there certain things you did like nutritionally or And I promise we're not going to spend the whole time talking about Lyme disease, but I'm just curious, like, did, did that kind of lead you also down that path to look kind of beyond, even though I know you said you had a job at the gym and you loved movement, but kind of to take that step further into health and wellness?
1: Yeah. So I was obsessed with health to an unhealthy degree. And without any science behind it. Yeah. So I decided at like, you know, 13 years old, oh, I'm going to be a vegan. And I just cut out all meat and like did not replace it with any other kind of protein. And that kind of was on and off for so long. And um, so when I, <laughs> I would like to say I was super healthy, but I was actually super unhealthy looking back. And I'm so grateful for the journey that Lyme put me through because I was on long-term antibiotics for about two Mm -hmm. years to kill all of the bad stuff, but it also in turn killed the good stuff. And then my gut health was destroyed. And that started a whole journey of learning about the gut microbiome and a deeper interest in nutrition from a more scientific perspective, not just like, I don't think I'm going to eat meat anymore and any other animal product. And then not understanding that well there are certain you know micronutrients that we have to get from our diet. So if you don't get it from your diet, eventually there's going to be a problem. And so there was a problem. My hair was falling out, like I my skin coloring was just I was gray, my nails were brittle and I was taking all the biotin in the world but nothing was really happening. Um and so yes, to again to make a long story short, I was on antibiotics for a long time, I got off of them after the you know I was done with them. And my gut was destroyed and I went on like a two-year um, healing protocol for um, like repairing the gut lining so I could better absorb my nutrients. And that was really difficult, but also one of the best things I ever did for myself because I would say now in terms of energy and how I feel and how I look and how my body moves and performs It's so much better than when I was before I became sick. So Mm -hmm. again, grateful to the the hard things that have happened because sometimes you just learn so much from them.
0: Oh, I bet there are so many young girls that can identify with your story, and also, I mean, it's crazy to see now. I mean, I can't tell you, Candace, how many clients I have where like almost everyone has some type of gut issue. And usually it is like the line, like there's just some, there's some repair that needs to happen to the lining. And I think people don't realize like how tough it is to repair it or they don't, you know, it's like, there's no quick fix. You really have to put in a lot of work and time. That's the other piece of it. Like it can take time to repair it, but I'm so
1: happy you're here saying like,
0: it's so much better on the other side. Like
1: it's worth it. The the quick fix thing can be applied. That's like a cultural obsession of ours that can be applied to work to you know, like the it, hacking, biohacking, everything. Want to like, be in your life? It's like you can't. I have. I'm so blessed to have made a full. Like I, I make really good money now, <laughs> but it started off with me filming a little video in my living room. And I mean, I still film to this day in my living, living room, but like I had so many people say to me, you know, how do I do that? How do I, and it, there's no secret sauce. You just do it consistently. And that's the same thing, whether you're healing your gut or you're on a fitness journey or you're on a work journey, like you just kind of have to put in The hard work and work smart. You know, don't don't work unnecessarily hard for no reason, but work smarter and be efficient. Um, and and do put in your time. I think that's something that we we want to avoid because we would love a quick fix.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's great advice. Um, I want to switch gears and get into strength training and the benefits of it. I'm curious, too, with even your journey, like when you did. Your yoga teacher training, were you also doing strength training just consistently from when you were younger, or were you doing solely yoga and then you were like, I need to start bringing in strength training? And kind of what are those benefits for people when they do strength training?
1: So, my journey was um, I started working at a gym, but I didn't really have any understanding of why I should do. X, Y, or Z exercise and in what order and for how long and how heavy and how many reps, et cetera, et cetera. So I just kind of went in. My plan was I'll go in and see what machines are empty and that's what I'll do. And I did that almost my whole life until – um, until I got injured. And that's essentially what happened is I did my yoga teacher training, and then I started to solely focus on yoga. And in traditional vinyasa yoga, it's a lot of posterior chain lengthening. So, like the muscles in the back of the body, your glutes, your back, your hamstrings, they're trying to lengthen, you know that you'll get a lot of length in a downward dog, for example. um and then it shortens the front body. And what I mean by that is hip flexors become shortened in that downward dog positioning. And in a lot of the movements that you're doing in a traditional vinyasa flow, and that mimics what we do in our day-to-day lives. So if I sit at a desk from nine to five, my hip flexors are shortening. My chest is shortening because I'm kind of hovered over my computer typing away. My head is forward because I'm looking at my phone and all of the muscles in the posterior chain are sort of lengthening. And so to then go and, you know, practice, Um, Ashtanga Vinyasa yoga, where there is a lot of back body lengthening, front body shortening, kind of exacerbates the issue if you don't have something really strategic in place to even out what is then becoming muscle imbalance. So what happened is I herniated um, a couple discs in my thoracic spine, and I didn't understand how, why I'm so healthy. I do all this movement. And my sports medicine doctor was like, well, you're not really strengthening the back body. And you've, you've got to do that. Um, and so that is when I, it kind of sparked this interest in me and I, um, took my personal trainings, you know, course and learned that there's a very strategic way to build muscle so that you are, um, kind of like injury prevention, (laughs) build it in a specific way so that you don't get hurt.
0: Yeah. And what would you say if someone, you know, is listening and they're like, yeah, you know, like, I'm intimidated by lifting weights or I lift weights maybe once a week, but I don't really know what I'm doing. I just know I should. Besides yeah. preventing injury, what do you think are the strongest benefits to strength training? And also, especially as women too, like.
1: I can't even count the ways. But I know. <laughs> off the top of my head, I mean, I have an 86 year old client that I have her doing squats. Weight training, does. there is weight training, but there's also resistance training where you're just using mm-hmm. your body. Right, so so lifting weight or doing resistance training doesn't necessarily mean you have to lift weight or even heavy weight. You can use resistance bands, you can use your body weight, and resistance training is one of the best ways to strengthen your bones. So especially as uh, women age, we lose we lose bone density. I mean, everybody loses bone density as they age, but especially as women um, who are prone to osteoporosis, like we want to be really mindful of keeping the bones strong and healthy. Also moving under load. Um, so keeping tension in the muscles as you move. So if you were you know, on a yoga mat and you were doing a side lunge from one side to the other, oftentimes people will just kind of drop into that and lose the tension through the muscles. And it's it's not particularly great for those joints. So if you add a little bit of weight or you just keep the tension and you don't dip down as far, you'll end up strengthening the muscles and strengthening the, uh, movement of the joints. So improving the mobility of the joints. Um, and it's just a fantastic way to stay strong. Again, injury prevention as we age. And as we age, I think it's really important that well, I would say all of us want to stay as independent as possible. So mm. that's the, the biggest thing for me.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure Kenneth, you found like, I can't tell you how many people I've seen where They let's say, you know, their main form of exercise is running or just cycling. Um, They don't really have strength training or resistance training built into their routine. Mm -hmm. And they're just not happy with how, whether it's how their body looks, how their strength in terms of just like what they can lift in general or like, like just getting through their day-to-day things or (laughs) with kids and my very heavy son, um, who constantly wants to be picked up. Those are some of the things they're seeing. And then, you know, they add in some strength training, resistance training. They not only feel stronger, but I'm sure you felt the same way. I've never had a client who doesn't, also enjoy how their body looks and feels and how much better their posture is. Like, can you talk to us a little bit more about, um, the results people usually see from strength training and feel?
1: Yeah. So what I find happens is as little kids, we move around really well. If you watch a toddler move, they can do all the things they're crouching low. They're doing all these things that like we can't do without aches and pains, pains, As children age, we put them in desks, in chairs. We tell them to sit still, be quiet, stop wiggling around. And then as we continue to age, we lose our mobility because we are more still. And then we start to, you know, we feel like, all right, I got to move. I'm very stressed out. What can I do? I'll go for a run or I'll take a bike ride. And so now you're moving, but you're only moving in this one plane, right? Like if you're running, you're just you're pretty much running forward. <laughs> if you're on the bike, you're only going forward. So you're moving in that same plane. And that's great for the the muscles and the joints, you know, if you're to work in that plane, but there are three different planes of movement. So it's really important to also go side to side. So runners and cyclists, especially would benefit from, um, you know, resistance work where you throw a band just above the knees and you do some side steps just to get that glute medius working and get a little bit more support for the low back, the pelvis, the knees. Um, and that kind of goes hand in hand for, for anybody who's doing like one sport, you got to do something else. Yeah, can, you- Candace, can you
0: explain what the three planes of movement yeah, so and mobility are? Yeah. Side.
1: Mm -hmm. you can go side to side, you can, um, do rotational movement. So something like a curtsy squat, for example, where you're kind of moving and rotating at the same time. And then you have that forward, um, movement as well. So really important to think about what it is that you enjoy doing. Maybe you're a skier, then you're kind of going side to side while also going forward a little bit. And you probably want to add some more rotational work. Um, and if your sport, for example, You know, like hockey, for example, it has you kind of flying forward. So you're going to use a lot of your lower body strength. You got to be sure that you're matching it with opening up through the front body because a lot of times you're crouched down as you're propelling yourself forward. If you like baseball, you're going to be swinging and rotating a lot through the torso. You want to be sure that you're opening up through the chest and you're strengthening that back body, um, you know, posterior chain as well. So just thinking about what you're doing and then what could I do to get into different planes of, of motion. Um, so that again, it goes kind of all goes back to injury prevention. But one of the purposes of muscle is to hold your bones in place. And so my my specialty is posture. It's kind of my my love language ever since I was I healed myself from those herniations. Um, and I tell my clients who are suffering from poor posture, which then leads to you know numbness down the arms or tingling down the side of the leg or um, sciatica issues. I tell them one of the purposes of muscle is to hold the bones in place. So when you go to the doctor's office and you see that skeleton that every doctor's got in their office, it is assuming that there's balanced musculature all around that body. But if there isn't, if the front body muscles are tight, then the back body muscles are going to be long. And then you're kind of in this crouched, slouchy position. We've never seen a skeleton like that, but many of us, if you look around you know, the next place, the next time you're in public, look around. And a lot of people have that forward head position, rounded back, rounded shoulders, um, kind of a flat butt. And that just doesn't support your posture. It doesn't hold your bones in place. Those, a lot of those muscles are so sleepy that they're allowing the bones to kind of drag forward. And over time, like that can cause a lot of pain and eventual injury.
0: Yeah, no, that's really great advice, especially the mobility piece. Because I don't find enough people talk about that. Hmm. Like even just people knowing those three planes of movement for mobility, it, it's not as common, right? than when like you're pulling up Instagram or YouTube and there's a million maybe strength training videos or cardio videos, but not that many people are talking about mobility, but if you get injured or it doesn't feel good when you move,
1: you can't do all those things. Well, listen, mobility is not sexy. (laughs) None of this stuff is like sexy or fun to do. A lot of it feels very remedial. And I think a lot of the times, what happens is, People are told they need to, or, or they know it themselves, like inherently, yeah, I should probably build some strength through my back, right? So then they go into the gym and nobody wants to lift up a three pound weight or like a resistance band. It's not sexy or doesn't look good. So they're gonna lift up something heavier that maybe they can get away with for a little bit to do a couple rows, but they're not quite at that place. And so, what I mean by at that place is that it, there is a very strategic way to build muscle. And the first thing you wanna do is work on muscle endurance. So, what does that mean? Well, if you were to sit down at dinner and you sit up and away from the back of your chair, so your back is not touching your chair, how long could you sit in this upright position with a broad chest, shoulders back, and have conversation before you find yourself slumped down? It might only be two or three or five minutes, and that's because the muscles in the posterior chain and the deep core do not have the endurance to hold yourself up. Um, for a prolonged period of time. And so what that means is you want to start working out with very lightweight, but high repetitions so that you can stress the muscles just to the point that they're beginning to awaken without you having to think about that. What I mean by that is there was a point where I was trying to improve my posture and I would really have to think about pulling my head back. So it's perched just over top of my spine and making sure that my chest was kind of Broad and the collarbones, you know, were a little bit more open, shoulder blades down the back towards the back pockets. And I really have to think about all of those things. And now it just happens. And that is because I've built the endurance for those muscles to just go right into place without me having to think about it.
0: Nordic Naturals has a new product alert that I have been patiently waiting to announce. Our men's and women's multivitamins are here, complete with 12 essential vitamins and two delicious mixed berry-flavored gummies to support a healthy lifestyle and vitamin sufficiency. It can be tough to ensure that we're taking in optimal amounts of the nutrients we need to be and feel our best. And unfortunately, most Americans don't meet the daily vitamin and mineral requirements. And that includes people who generally eat a nutritious diet. Our food today is very different from what it was years ago and is often stripped of many important nutrients. So we need a little help. And taking a daily multivitamin that is tailored specifically to fill in those nutrient gaps is an ideal and delicious way to support you and your family's foundational health. Head to nordic.com and use the code naturallywell15 for 15% off our new multivitamins to ensure you're getting the optimal amount of nutrients you need every day. Would you say, Candace, there's different like if we were giving people kind of your, your top strength recommendations for someone just starting out, would they be more in that endurance phase? So like yeah. l- you know, lighter weights, which you never want to start heavy and more repetitions, and then someone who's actually been strength training for a while, but they're like, I feel like I'm still just not doing it. The, you know, like how you were saying there's a way to kind of build yeah. it.
1: So If if you're working out all the time, um, so there, let me, let me back up, (laughs) not trying to sell anybody anything, but I do have this posture program that comes out every six weeks and there it's made for two people. Person one is somebody who has never worked out before. And all of a sudden they're like, my back hurts, my neck hurts. I'm sitting all day. I have to move and I need to build a foundation. That's for that person. The posture program is also, and this is, it's essentially lightweight or body weight. It's resistance band stuff. And the focus is the posterior chain and the deep core. Those are the, the muscles of your foundation. And then you also learn how to um, understand movement patterns and assess your own posture because two things need to happen. You need to build strength in those muscles, the endurance of those muscles, but you also need to have an awareness in your life outside the gym as to how am I picking the baby up? How am I putting the plate in the dishwasher? Am I using you know, a hip hinge, for example, or am I just rounding at the back and then further aggravating the problem? Cause you could work out with perfect form for an hour every single day. But if in the other hours that you're awake and moving around, you're not moving as optimally as you could, things are going to take a very long time to get better. So you have to have that mindfulness piece. And then you also have to have the the workout piece. The other type of person that this program is for is for somebody who has been working out their entire life. Maybe they do have these like big sculpted muscles, but they're always dealing with some sort of chronic, like, oh, my knee always hurts right here after I squat or you know my ankle hurts after i go for a run or my upper back hurts after i do x y or z if you're dealing with chronic tweaks that is telling that's information your body is always trying to tell you something if we listen to it right instead of popping a pill for a quick fix but you want to ask yourself all right do i need to maybe go back to basics and that doesn't mean depending on how much pain you're in that doesn't mean that you have to stop everything else but it does mean that you might want to revisit the basics to ensure that you're found, there isn't any crack in the foundation.
0: Yeah. And how many times per week would you suggest someone in their, you know, let's say 20s to late 30s, early 40s, how many times a week should we be doing strength training? And then how does that adjust as we get older? because so, we have right like muscle loss and sarcopenia is mixed in like it how does it all adjust
1: I think it just depends on what's going on in your life because you also have to think about where is my stress level out have I been nourishing myself am I eating enough to sustain this kind of work am I sleeping enough is my body primed and ready for for the stress of a workout and a workout is an intentional stress right so I never like to say like definitively you know, any one person should be doing anything for x number of times because it's just not realistic. And there, I would say work on those things first, and then uh, you know attempt the workouts. But if your life is like relatively low stress, and you're eating well, and you're hydrating well, and you wake up feeling rested, and you have energy throughout the day without any major deep slumps um, of energy. And you feel very recovered and ready for workouts. Then I would say three to five times a week, just depending on, you know, again, your schedule and and what you can handle
0: to include some, some type of strength training. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, so I've asked that question. I mean, we've had a lot of fitness professionals on here and I've asked that question and that is my favorite answer because it is first, it's like you have to tackle sleep, stress, Oftentimes nutrition, because like you said, if you're not able to support your workouts with the nutrition, one, yes, you may be more sore, like feel negative effects of it, but you're Mm -hmm. also not going to see any gains or progress Mm -hmm. if you're not supporting that muscle growth and that recovery. So for everyone listening, you heard it. That's the... My favorite answer to how many times a week should you be doing strength training or even just exercise in general, you have to kind of take check of everything else that's going on. Um, is there anything in terms of mobility, like a little routine someone could do in the morning, like realistically, like a short routine every day that would, you know, hit all of those planes of movement that you can just get it in and not have to like worry about it too much.
1: Yeah. So I actually have a couple of my senior clients on this little mobility slash movement thing before they even get out of bed, because oftentimes movement is going to affect your mood. Right. So yeah. start. And that's another reason going back to how often and, you know, what intensity it's. um your movement practice should be something that like brings you joy. It should not be a punishment or something you have to do out of guilt. And I, I just so strongly believe in that anyway. Okay. So let's say you're still in bed. Your spine moves in essentially three ways um, in different directions. So you could call it six and sometimes seven. And I'll explain the three different ways Slash, maybe six, you'll understand in a second, the way the spine moves. And then a couple of things that you can do right from your bed. So the spine moves rotation to the right. So just twisting to the right, that's way one. Rotation to the left, that's way two, or you could still consider that way one. Then you can put your hands, if you're sitting down, you can put your hands on your knees, puff your chest out, look up at the ceiling. Now your back is arching. This is the third way it moves. And then exhale, round your back, chin to your chest create some space between your shoulder blades. That's spinal flexion. That's the fourth way it moves. And then we have lateral movement. So make the letter C with your spine by sending your ribs to one side. You can also reach your arm up and over and then go in the other direction. So just these lateral bends and that would be movement five and six. Then we also have axial extension, which is where you create space between each vertebra of your spine. So you can do that a couple different ways. It's very hard to do on your own, but like if you had an inversion table, for example, and you flip yourself upside down. You're you're hanging upside down will create some space between the vertebrae to find that axial extension. Or if you have a pull-up bar and you hang from it on your hands and you just kind of like let yourself hang, you will create some space between the vertebrae and then you'll have um, axial extension. So that is the those are the different ways the spine moves. So and in any given warm up and or cool down, I like to move the spine in those ways because the spine is our center and it's from the the... the place our entire body moves. So, If you're laying in your bed, I would just do a twist. You can just plop your knees over to one side and then a twist over in the other side. I would hug the knees into your chest and like lift your head up a little bit, tuck your chin towards your chest. That'll get you some spinal flexion. And then I would make your body really long, arms up overhead. You can hook your thumbs and take your legs and hands to one direction. So you're making like a banana shape with your body. If you're looking at your body from overhead, then do that same thing in the opposite direction. And then we just need to find some spinal extension. So I would come onto all fours and just lift your head, lift your tailbone, and that'll give you that U shape of your spine to find some um spinal extension. The axial extension, like I said, is really hard to do on your own. So unless you have a pull-up bar or a an inversion table, it's it's that that'll be one you'll skip. <laughs> well, and
0: just the fact, Candice, that we can do it in bed. Do you know how many people are gonna do this? <laughs> I mean, to no I know I'm going to especially pregnant I'm like anything that I can lay in bed and like you said for like the mood improvement like to start you are starting your day with some movement but you're still in bed and I'm sure you're gonna want to pop out of bed a lot more after you do that and just the getting other thing in
1: is, yeah while we sleep our we de- we're kind of dehydrated as we sleep so we shrivel up a little bit that's why mm-hmm. a lot of us stiff in the morning so incorporating that movement can help to like find a little bit more elasticity through the, the muscles so that you feel less stiff first thing in the morning
0: yeah which i know too as we age like that's a big issue just having a bit more stiffness or again sorry i'm gonna go back to like being pregnant like sometimes right. it's really hard for me to physically get out of bed it's like okay roll to one side like okay is my hip feeling good enough to kind of swing over to And usually I do actually have to do some type of mobility to kind of like, almost like unlock things to be able to get out. So this is perfect. I will be adding this to my routine. This is like my favorite part of hosting a (laughs) podcast. I'm like, okay, great. I can start this now. Um, but no, that's such great advice. And anything that like, that's so easy to add into your daily routine. And those are the little things I love because it's really overwhelming. Like there are so many aspects to health and wellness and there are so many pieces of advice and it's like, okay, well, like, you know, let me add this into my schedule to make sure. And you know, you're just doing all these things, but it's like, when we can get these tiny little, you know, pieces of advice or Movement in well, one, in bed. Um, yeah. but two, like first thing in the morning, and then you're done. It's just one less thing we have to add into exactly. our schedule. Um, okay, I want to switch gears, Candace, and get into so originally we were just going to talk about like strength and mobility, and obviously everything yeah. we're gonna talk about now is part of it. Um, but I was telling you before we started recording that I was going through some of your reels and I probably watched this one at least 10 times so I could get everything down, but you had one that said eight things I wish I had known about fitness back in my early Mm twenties and reading through what you said. I'm like, Oh my gosh. One, I wish everyone knew them as well being a personal trainer, but two, so many people can identify with these. So I want to go through each some are a little bit more piece of advice that are great, but then others I want to kind of dive into the why a little bit. Okay. And, you know, how you think people should tackle their current routine knowing this. Okay. So the first one was, and we kind of touched on it before, but rest and nutrition are just as important as the workouts you do. So mm-hmm. talk to me just a little bit more about that or what you find if people aren't. Properly fueling themselves um, yeah. or getting enough sleep, what will they start to see or miss in their workouts?
1: So, more is not more. Um, and when you are operating at a mid to high level state of chronic stress in your life, whether it's from work, home life, relationships, whatever your body's, um, hormones will be thrown off. Cortisol is like our, it's the stress hormone and that can be spiking. And if that's already kind of spiking, and then you go in and you add high intensity workout, like one of the, I used to be that person who I had to get on the treadmill for 45 minutes because otherwise it didn't count. And I have clients who to this day, they're like, I didn't really feel the workout. I didn't feel sore after that doesn't mean anything or or Candace i wasn't
0: sweating i'm like yeah i wasn't oh sweating that's okay now. like it's aren't you happy okay. you
1: weren't sweating <laughs> <laughs> it's okay so here's the thing our hormones are constantly fluctuating from stress from lack of sleep or alcohol or whatever so then if you add a very high intensity workout that may affect your hormones. It may affect your performance in your workout. It may affect how you recover. So you may find like, oh, I'm exhausted all day. And then I go to lay down and I can't fall asleep because my my brain just feels wired. I feel like overstimulated. Um, You may find that if you are a menstruating woman, then you have your, your period is off in some aspect, or maybe your sex drive is off, or maybe um, you know, you can't sleep or you sleep too much or you're super irritable or you've been following this seemingly really well done programming, but you can't seem to lift heavier. It's because you're not rested. So you have to take the time to ensure that you are properly fueled and properly rested before you go into your workouts. And then I might even take it a step further and talk about um, cycle like working out with your cycle, because we have four different phases in the cycle, and we are primed based on our hormone levels to be doing certain types of workouts during different parts of the cycle. So for example, if you are you know on day one or two of your menstruation phase, You're probably going to want to kind of dial things back and move gently and slowly. And then maybe towards the end of your period, you feel like you have a little bit more energy. Then you'll do something a little bit more intense. During ovulation, for example, you might have a surge of energy. So that's a great time to do like a hit style or high intensity, um, you know, intervals, that sort of thing. And so just being really mindful of how you feel, I think I think there's something about our culture where we are sort of told to ignore how we feel feel and just power through no matter what but you have to just ask yourself at what cost because yeah. you don't want to be injured overtrained hormones off like you just don't want that mm-hmm. and
0: it's funny because that's the same thing too like with your cycle and nutrition and how that changes like when you know right before your cycle you can be craving, more carbohydrates. And by not nourishing yourself with those carbohydrates, your hormones can also come back with a little bit of vengeance. Um, No, I love that. And that was a great explanation. Okay. Number two, I feel like this is a myth that you probably love busting, but also explaining why, because I know some people do find that when they lift, they feel bulky. So let's bust that lifting heavy will not make you bulky.
1: Okay, so this is a tough one because I actually personally do feel that when I start lifting heavier, <laughs> I get bulkier. And uh-huh. here's what is happening, at least what I believe is happening. Yeah. As as I'm lifting muscle, as I'm sorry, as I'm lifting weight, I'm gaining muscle, but I haven't yet lost the body fat. Yes. And so I feel I'm like. Oh, okay. I'm just more round. And and it's amazing because I feel so strong and I'm lifting heavy weight, but I'm like, I'm just not quite where I want to be. Stick with it. Don't stop lifting heavy. I promise you, especially as women, like there's more research that is coming out. I would refer people to check out Dr. Stacey Sims, but she is doing um, research specifically on women because a lot of times, what we know about fitness and wellness and and working out in general it the subject matter uh has been men because they're just easier to study they don't have hormones going like this like we do just by nature so she is doing studies on just women so it's really really interesting but she's finding that as we age especially we want to be lifting heavier so it's just stick with it is my word of advice
0: no i agree i find it so many times with clients they whether they're just new to strength training or we have them lifting heavier, they're like, oh, like my jeans are tight right now. And I find it too. Yeah. And, I it. But it's kind of like it's funny, my husband always says, he's like, I have to bulk up to slim down. Right. It's like you bulk. And that's also, I'm sure Candace, and maybe you can speak to this more, but also when you work your muscles and you're putting stress on them, they become inflamed, right? Which makes right. them puffier they take on more water as well. So you also just like, and that's kind of like when people write like, oh, I look swole or I'm swollen.
1: It is, your muscles are swollen. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what it is, like the pump. Um, (laughs) So what I would say to that, because I think people, especially women go into this, like, what do I do? Yeah. I, I guess I should just stop eating or I should reduce my or cortisol. stop lifting. Like that's
0: what I get stop immediately. Lifting. It's like, okay, strength what training's said, not for my body. I'm like,
1: <laughs> right. so lifting heavier is going to accelerate your heart rate so You're, you're getting into the fat burning zone, but you're yeah. like, why am I, I'm feeling swollen. Like, what do I do? So you are going to be losing fat. Uh, body fat as you're building muscle. And that will give you this toned look, right? So what you want to do is be sure that you're not eating less, if anything, eat more, but eat more protein. So that way you're feeding proteins as structural macronutrient. So you're feeding your muscles so that they, they are healthy and strong and growing. And you are allowing your body to lose that body fat. So you are feeling nourished, but also strong. And you look your body compositions like where you want it to be.
0: Yeah. And this actually, it segues perfectly into your next one, but I find too, yeah, it's like people may find they're hungrier because they're building more muscle. And then they're also right. Like if you don't have good blood sugar balance, and I'm not just talking to people that I feel like whenever I say blood sugar, people are like, Oh yeah. Like if you're pre-diabetic or diabetic, like, no, we all have blood sugar issues and we all need to keep it in balance. Then they are going more so for the carbs, versus the protein because that's what their body's craving. So your next one that you wish you had known was that carbs are not inherently bad. Can you speak a little bit more to that?
1: Uh, I'd like to like edit it to say eh, like, there is no one food group that's inherently bad. Yeah. Like it's, I, I just do not subscribe to the idea, even sugar. Some people might come for me, but even sugar, like I think that your mental health is so important that if you are so you know hyper-focused on being healthy, That you can't allow yourself to have, you know, birthday cake when you're at a birthday party or wedding cake when you're at a wedding or, you know, a donut is inherently bad. The donut's not inherently bad, but if you're going to have 10 donuts every day for breakfast, then you may find that, oh, yeah, that, that doesn't really make me feel good. It doesn't fuel me you know, as well as I could be fueled, ha- were I eating something else? So whether it's carbs in the form of like pasta or donuts or whatever, or it's carbs in the form of lettuce and some vegetables, which by the way, fruits and vegetables are also carbs. I just don't think that's inherently bad. We have yeah. to just check ourselves there and and make sure that we are um, allowing for our mental health to be in a good spot.
0: Yeah. And I love spreading the education too. So of a lot of the times people too, right? When they overdo it with carbs, then mm-hmm. they feel guilty after, which increases their stress level, which actually does more to more harm to their body than the actual yep. food, which I feel like I'm always saying, but okay. to help people lift off some of that stress or guilt they have around it, the discussion of when's the best time to have carbs, like I always say around a workout, whether it's before and you're going to use those carbs to help fuel your workout or post workout when your muscles, right, are pretty much empty and most of that storage of all of that glucose, which comes from your carbohydrates, is going to kind of zip right in there. So, thinking about it too, like it's not to say for some people, because I know there's a lot of people that have like a strong fear of carbs and eating them. If that's where you're at, at least, you know, if it makes you feel better, there are, you know, I would say, I don't want to say better times, but more supportive times to eat carbs because carbs are going to be supportive of your muscle growth and your muscle recovery. And that can be kind of a good way for people who are, you know, still kind of in that like fearful spot. Um awesome. Okay, Candice, this is a good one. Your number four was you can spot train muscle, but you can't spot reduce fat. Can you go into that a little bit more?
1: Sure. So if I wanted like big biceps, I would do a lot of biceps curls, a lot of variations of biceps curls. I'd be using my biceps, you know, very intelligently when I work out because I'm trying to grow those biceps and you can do that. If I want to lose, I maybe I hold a little bit of, you know, body fat and my low abdomen. You can't do a million lower uh, abdominal exercises and get rid of that fat. If anything, you might actually bulk up because you're going to train your lower abdominal muscles. But what I'm trying to say is your body's going to lose fat wherever it wants to, but your body will grow muscle wherever you focus on and work mm. towards. So you can't say I can't tell you how many clients I have who are like, "Can we do lower abs today?" Because I mean. <laughs> Poochie is coming from the alcohol that you're drinking. It's not coming from the, from the the lack of lower abdominal, you know, effort that we're we're working on. So it's just a really good principle to understand. Yeah, and I think it's such
0: a you know it's such a myth or something we don't talk about enough that like when you're doing most strength training exercises, you're using your core, like you're at you're using yeah, your abs. I like so. I I been find I swear to like if I you know, if I got into a time where I'm like, okay, I'm going to be focused on like more core work, but more like targeted core work, right? Like doing like more traditional ab work. Mm -hmm. I saw way better results when I wasn't focused on it, but just focused on a variety of strength training moves, even like an overhead press. Like I can feel my core working and that's, because it is fun. And people, so many people, and I've had a ton of people listening are still like, you yeah, know, I'm still doing a hundred crunches a day. Like, and you, also if you're not doing them properly, right? Like that can lead to neck issues. And there's so many not other that. things that
1: quick tangent on the core. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Core, Go for it.
1: <laughs> the core has a bunch of different muscles. And if you are doing a million sit-ups, you are working the superficial muscles, meaning the mm-hmm. the, the muscles that are at the very, very like end of your body, you want if you have any kind of back pain you want to be working the deep transverse abdominus muscles those are the muscles that are going to help with your overall posture doing a million sit ups will not give you the six pack look the six pack look comes from a lower percentage of body fat and that's going to have to do with what you're eating um, but you want to be sure that you are working your core in the three different movement planes that we talked about earlier but also doing those bigger heavier lifts which is what you were talking about so whether it's you know a military press or deadlift or a front squat or back squat, those big heavy lifts where you're doing, you know, five sets of three to four, that's going to get you those strong core muscles that you want that are much more functional in your day-to-day life, especially as we age.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can't even tell you now being pregnant too. And I have a lot of pregnant clients or clients that are in postpartum. And we talk about diaphragmatic breathing Mm -hmm. and they're like, really? that's going to get my core in a good place and i'm like yup and i'm like just be happy that that is what's going to get your core in- like sitting and calmly being able to breathe um mm-hmm. there's there's just so many misconceptions about the core i mean honestly we could have a whole episode just on that so Guinness, this actually goes perfectly into your next one so it was Following a plan that gets you working in all planes of motion with progressive overload will lead to better results, um, faster, faster versus showing up and just doing whatever machines are empty. So could you give us like a tiny little example of a, I know you kind of just said, but like of a little, let's say like a four or five exercise routine, going to the gym rather than just going and like, Oh, that machine's open, you know? Oh, I think that weight's the right weight for me. I'll try, you know, so many people do
1: that. that. (laughs) I can do that, but it's, it's going to get you nowhere. It's like walking around in a corn maze. So here's the thing. It all, it all kind of goes back to how many days a week can you work out? but essentially you want to have, you can, you can do it a number of different ways. You can do an upper body day, a lower body day. You could do a push day, a push pull day. You could do glutes only. There's a lot of different ways you can structure it, but you want What you want to be sure that you're doing is doing the same couple exercises every week for like four to six weeks. And changing them in the slightest bit every single week. So let's take a a back squat, for example. Let's say you have, you already have really good um, mechanics in your movement and your form is great and you have no back pain. (laughs) So you're going to start with a moderate to heavy load. And then every week you might try to do two more repetitions with the same amount of weight, or you might work on timing. So maybe you lower down into your squat for two seconds, and then you power up and stand up quickly on one second. The following week, you would lower down three seconds and then power up in one second. Maybe by the fifth week, you're lowering down and then adding a pause and then getting up. So you're you're always constantly trying to to, to add an element of challenge in some form usually the same form every week until it's time to change your programming. And the reason why you want to change your programming is because you don't want to start developing poor habits and you want to keep your body moving in different planes of motion, doing different exercises. So different areas of the muscles are worked.
0: love it. And what would be your best advice for letting someone know if they're like, when do I know it's time to increase my weight?
1: Oh, I mean, you could do that every week. You could do a back squat at a moderate weight and then try to go up by two and a half or five pounds and then go up the following week. And that could be your whole, your progressive overload could be every week or every two weeks or every three weeks, go up until your six weeks or maybe eight week, you know, programming is done and then go on to something else.
0: Yeah, and you all heard Candace by two and a half to five pounds, there is no 10 pound increase. That's not how we increase weight, go low. And slow. Um, okay. Your last three, which one we already hit on, which was you do not need to do 45 minutes of cardio to make it count. Love that one. And then the last two were more pieces of advice. I mean, we talked about how more is not more. And then this one I love in order for working out to be sustain- a sustainable part of your life, you have to find a workout you don't hate and approach it with an I get to versus an I have to attitude. Mm-hmm. That is so key because then it also looks at like it's a treat to go to that workout. I mean, (laughs) I feel like I think about it now, especially, um, having like a young child. I'm like, Oh, it's like the, like, I look forward to my workout so much. I'm like, it's me time. It's time also that I get to like de-stress, decompress, maybe put in a podcast and like learn some more things, but you have to be excited about it. It's not to say that every day you're going to like, you know, have maybe your energy levels are a little off some days, and you're like tired, and that's sometimes those are the days where it's like maybe you shouldn't work out that day, like maybe mm-hmm. your body does just need to rest. But you want to feel excited about your workouts.
1: Yes, I think that you can apply that I get to versus I have to to, to everything, <laughs> your life, and then your life could be like, oh, I get to do this day, not like I have to get through this day. I just when I was going back to the Lyme disease thing, when I was holed up in bed and I literally could not walk to the bathroom, like I had to drag myself or be carried. I just thought to myself, what a waste of 26 years of just being like miserable and pouty. And I felt like no matter what I wanted to do moving forward, I just wanted it to be done with joy in my heart. So I don't have to like, super pumped for my work. I mean, today I was not pumped for my workout, but I got to do it because I had my health and what a gift that is, you know, yeah. I got to, to have some time away from everything else and just focus on me. And whether that's, you know, hanging out with your toddler, I get to do this rather than like, Ugh, I'm so tired. This is so hard. It's like, no, I get to be in the magic of this moment. And my toddler won't be so enamored by, you know, the little things for the rest of his or her life. So this is really exciting. You, you can choose your attitude with mm-hmm. how you approach everything in your life and doing it from a place of feeling joyful or contentment. And sometimes you have to be like full on joy, but just like, okay, this, this is something I'm ex- happy to do and joyful to do. It's just a much better experience because the time's going to pass anyway. So how you want to get through that time is up to you. And- I mean,
0: we all have stressors and your reaction to stress, Candace, is so different. So like even, I mean, I'm going to use the toddler example, but like going into it is like, oh, like I have to do this and or like maybe they're being difficult. Your reaction with the I have to attitude is going to be very different than the compassionate reaction of I get to reminding yourself like they're a toddler. They've been on this planet only for a few years. Like just having that mindset and it just makes your day better. It makes everything better. Okay. Um, so before Candace, we jump into our rapid fire Q&A that we do it at at every episode or at the end of every episode, I just want to ask you, are there any of your own daily health and wellness non-negotiables that are part of your routine that you find just make you feel really good that you'd love to share with everyone?
1: Um, I wouldn't say it's daily, but it's There are the non-negotiables in my life are dance. I love, love, love to dance. Um, From a physical standpoint, it gets me moving in different planes of motion, but it also just brings me so much joy. It's really hard to be in a bad mood if you dance. Um, So I take a dance class three to four times a week and that goes on the calendar and I will not schedule anything for for that specific time. Um, The other thing that's non-negotiable to me is um eating really well <laughs> which is like a, I guess kind of sounds kind of silly but I'm really um dedicated to variety and having different colors on my plate and um just sort of again going back to that I get to make food cuz do I love cooking no I actually can't stand it but I'm really happy that I have the health the finances the time in my day to cook um and it just makes me feel really good to eat well. So even though I don't love the process of cooking, getting to that spot, I love to sit down at the meal and enjoy the meal. So those are non-negotiables to me, eating well to support my health and dancing.
0: Oh, and I'm so glad, Candice, you shared that you don't like the process of cooking. because <laughs> We have <laughs> so
1: well, we have so many people on the show, especially
0: because so many people are into health and wellness and they're like, oh, I love cooking. You know, you can just throw things in here and there. And I'm like, yeah, most people I see when they have like the question on the intake form of like, do you enjoy cooking? It's like big, fat, no. Um, and a lot of the times they will say it's like, if they don't feel confident in it too, it's like sometimes that's a barrier. Um, but I'm really glad you shared that. Okay. So we have a three rapid fire Q and a, um, I'm sorry, questions that we love to do at the end of every episode to help our listeners just get to know you better. So first thing that comes to mind, what is your favorite de-stressing practice or support tool?
1: Ooh, um, depends on my energy level, but if it's low energy, definitely a bath with some Epsom salts, my favorite thing in the world. Um, If it's if I have much more energy, like oh, I can't believe I'm even saying this. I don't really enjoy running, but when I have <laughs> high energy and I just want to like move, I'll go for a run.
0: Yeah, love that. Uh, Coffee or tea? Oh, coffee. And would you put anything in it, Candace, or is it just plain? Um,
1: collagen and a uh, whole milk that's like frothed up. Ooh, yum. Um,
0: okay. Favorite home cooked meal, and it doesn't have to be something you make. It can be just like favorite home cooked meal in general.
1: Mm, that's a tough one. I actually made an amazing soup. I don't guess I don't really have a favorite one because I'm not that picky, but I love a really good hearty soup. And yesterday I made, it was like chicken sausage, bone broth, kale, and potatoes. And it was just like mm. warming. Oh, and I put cauliflower rice in there. It was just really warming on a cold day. And it was everything I dreamed of and more. Oh, those <laughs> are those big
0: hug meals. Yes. Like just give you like a nice wrap on hug, especially with like the weather changing too. Oh, that um, sounds so good. Oh my gosh. Well, Candice, thank you so much. This has been, new. I mean, so informative for me. I know our listeners, but where can people find you, learn more, connect with you, learn more about your programs too?
1: Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at yoga by Candice and you can check out my web- website at um, intentionfactor.com. Awesome.
0: Thank you so much, Candace. This week's actionable step is to try out Candace's morning mobility routine for one week and take note of how you feel throughout the day. And by the end of the week, thank you for listening to naturally well by Nordic naturals. And remember you can catch some of our episodes of the podcast on our naturally well YouTube channel for something to do in between episodes. Follow me on Instagram at LiveWellWithKate, with Kate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Wells, hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcastnordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.